Welcome to the Shitposter.club anime review podcast. I am Dad, your host. With me is Full Metal. What's up? Uh, Muse sick. He couldn't make it today, but we have some other cool shit to talk about. So the most important app in my life, Tachiyomi, died suddenly. But then it, it was replaced almost immediately by a nearly identical app. But I was worried for a few days there, because that's like 70% of the reason why I use a tablet. God, it's amazing how quickly that fucking came about. You gotta love the anime community and their dedication to piracy. Yeah, it's freaking great. Uh, There's freaking... There's fan subs of everything, fan translations, new programs coming out making piracy easier. Several private trackers have been going on for like a decade or more, too. Oh, yeah. If you knew where to look, you'd find pretty much anything. Yeah, there's still some old and obscure stuff that hasn't been translated, but such a huge amount of material has been turned into English that I'm very grateful for that. They really just do it for the love of it, man. It's fucking amazing. So here's one of the things I read. It's a one-shot by... Some author I've never seen before. In fact, this is so obscure, it's not on any list or um, manga updates. Only came out a month ago. So this is about it's a retelling of Hansel and Gretel, but in anime style. So the girl has a gigantic gut-style sword, and the boy is this giant meat mountain who likes to crush things. It's standard animization of an old fairy tale, but I found it entertaining. The The artist can draw action pretty well. Okay. Are they kids, or are they they're like full-grown adults doing like dumb anime bullshit? Um, well, the girl's still a kid. The, the, the boy might He's like this mutated golem thing that's 10 feet tall, so it's hard to tell. German, yeah, I got it. <laughs> Just a briefly enjoyable one-shot. I enjoyed it. Nice. So another one is a spin-off to Gantz called Gantz E. Now, I know neither of my co-hosts have read Gantz yet. I've told them many times over the years it's freaking cool. So I won't go into too much detail about this, but this has the same premise, except it takes place in like 1600s Japan. So you have this weird mixture of like uh, Middle Ages, low technology weapons, plus the high technology that the alien orb brings to these people so they can fight aliens. And in this case, the aliens resemble uh, various yokai and uh, people dressed in, in in the manner that is normal for the era. Like, uh, they, they fight an alien that wants to be Musashi, except it's like this 20-foot-tall giant that fights with two swords, and they have these futuristic uh, handguns gu that shoot lasers. But they're still trying to get used to them, because these are people who barely know what muskets are. So it, they're fighting weeaboo aliens. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, it, nice. if, you, if you read the original Gantz, there were some weeaboo aliens there, too. Nice. Like, <laughs> there were some who had definitely watched Earth TV. 
So this one's still ongoing. I'm going to keep reading it, but I, I should probably read the original Gantz first. I know it's long and has crappy pacing, but there's so much cool stuff in in that. Everyone listening to this podcast should check out Gantz sometime, and this is a good new spinoff. All right, sounds dope. Third one's another one-shot. This is by the author of the original One Punch Man webcomic. The description is, Two high school students are using bugs in our reality to exploit them for their advantage, but then a ridiculous exploit leads to severe consequences for one. So what happens is, uh, this little midget kid discovers uh, he can do certain magical tricks. Like on this... This uh, soda vending machine, if he goes there at a certain time of the day, on a certain day of the week, and presses buttons on it in a certain order, it'll shoot money out for him. He's showing little tricks like that to this uh, older, much taller student. And then things start to get weird, because uh, the little kid discovers that you can uh, go back in time by uh, stripping naked and jumping out into the middle of um, uh, the girls track me and doing a certain dance. And, okay. Yeah, th things get weirder from there. This was pretty good. And fortunately, one is not the artist. He only wrote the story, but it has his own unique weirdo style. Yeah, if you've watched One Punch Man or uh, Mob Psycho, you kind of get his uh, comedy style. Right. Yeah, and that comes across here. It's it's weird to see it where there's no, you know, fights to the death. But it's this just is, strict comedy. Uh, comedy and drama, because some bad things happen. Okay. Oh, no. But, okay. Yeah, it it's a good one shot. I, you should do more of these. So I, I was talking to Cold Acid, who was on our previous episode. Uh, he was talking about this uh, manga about a pervert sword, and he could not remember the name. But this was it. It's called Drunken D-Rank Pulls Out the Legendary Sword. So at first, this appears to be your, your standard lazy fantasy isekai, where our loser protagonist, he's this 37-year-old slob who's... Uh, never accomplished anything in this fantasy world, but suddenly King Arthur style, he pulls a freaking sword out of a stone and it grants him magical powers, makes him younger and healthier, heals a wound on his hand, and it increases his libido to teenage levels. Because the sword nice. gets the sword gets stronger by watching it, it its owner get laid. <laughs> sure why not yeah so the sword just this per it acts like this perverted old man who wants to watch humans have sex and he's always yelling at it but he's the only one who could hear it so people are confused but he Does goes to teach him how to do a kamehameha uh, no it just makes him better at sword fighting and fucking Sword fighting and sword fighting, gotcha. Yeah. So I, I know a lot of the manga I've been recommending in recent episodes have been these 
edgy action series. Uh, this one's not. <laughs> yeah. This one's not quite as good as Rosengarden Saga or Reincarnation Coliseum, but it's decent. God, Reincarnation Coliseum is fucking something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Only Japan could make that. Another thing Cold Acid showed me. Well, actually, I saw it in his Annie list that he was reading this. And uh, the current anime season is full of elf shit. So I thought, why not? I'll pick this up. So this is about an elf chick who's driving on a motorcycle around this fantasy world. And uh, um, it turns out there's so much, there's so many wizard battles going on that rearrange the geography. Her job is to go around and rewrite the maps. So she's cool. a cartographer? Yeah. Okay. And she, she has a friend who's like the Tin Man from the Wizard of Oz, and uh, they drive around, get into adventures, try to look for famous landmarks so they can recognize where the hell they are. They report back to a geographer's organization. It, it's also pointlessly etchy. Like, you'll see the elf girl naked oh. quite a bit. Well, I'm not complaining. And just, I'll get that out there. But uh, this one's only about a year old, but it has potential. Some series will do that just at the beginning, though, and then that kind of peters off. Like, oh, what was that one about that girl that could see ghosts? Oh, I, I know the one you mean. I can't remember the name. There's just like panty shot. I can't remember the name either, but it was just like, there was just panty shot, panty shot, panty shot, and then they just stopped. Then it's just all about like the ghost and the bullshit. And it's like, yeah, okay, it's kind of weird that you flip flop like that, but sure. Yeah, maybe the author's editor told him to cut this out. We're trying to appeal to kids or something. That, or they're just trying to get people in on the initial premise. And the easiest way to do that is you know, boobs and butts. That's true. It certainly worked on me more than a few times. Oh, yeah, I'm sure it's happened to all of us. Especially works if you're a fucking dipshit teenager. <laughs> uh, this shit still works on me. Like the tits and ass marketing still can get my attention. I'm not gonna lie. It happens to the best of us, and the worst of us. That too. Three years ago, when Mew got me to. Well, three and a half years ago, Mew got me to watch the Talentless Nana anime. I was hooked. So I immediately picked up the manga and read up to the present, and I've still been reading it since then. And not going into spoilers, but it's doing some cool shit. Nice. I've been waiting for the next season of the anime, if it does get another season. I don't think so, man. The first season was man, not very popular. That's so unfortunate. Because it did, it, oh god, it was really good. It was honestly like, I, it was, it was one of those things I skipped on and you guys talked into it. And god, it was like, it was one of the most entertaining anime I had seen in a while. Yeah, it was freaking great. But and I like, guess that's the shitty part is like, it kind of ruins if you like talk about anything that happens, like, it kind of ruins the, uh, Ruins the show for people. You like you just have to give it a couple episodes. Yeah, me, when he first mentioned it, Mew said, "Just go in watching it." 
don't read anything about it. Yeah, you really it, going in blind is the best way to do it because it'll really hook you in. Yeah, I was surprised at everything that happened, even in the first episode. Freaking excellent series. And the manga's continuing that. Ugh. But nice. it just wasn't popular, I guess. Well, much like Nana herself, a series disguised itself as something that's innocuous, cute, and harmless. So, All Bones Jones... Last time he was on this show, like a year ago, he, he got me hooked on this manga, Rebuild World, and it's getting animated soon. Nice. So this is about, about a punk kid who comes across a hologram chick with big hooters, who nevertheless possesses a lot of information, and she, she uses him to help, uses this to help him uh, scavenge for ancient relics in this uh, broken down... A civilization filled with ruins that are have these ancient artifacts from the current year, and but there's all sorts of strange monsters around. Like no one knows where these biomechanical creatures come from, but there's millions of them, and uh, people have to brave these hordes of monsters if they want to get at the treasure. But uh, every. This is entertaining because the main character is such a spurg. He carefully analyzes every dangerous situation he gets into, what his best move is, like what tools he should use, and his uh, hologram helper is there to assist him the whole way. So when when this gets animated, don't know when. There's no release date yet, but I th I think you and Mew and some of our listeners will find it pretty enjoyable. Yeah, probably. That'll definitely be something I'll look out for. I remember when Jones was shilling uh, The Eminence and Shadow, and so I checked it out, and yeah, that was a good show. Oh, I still have not seen that. Really? It's it's fun. So, like, the, the main premise is, like, it's an isekai story, but it's kind of a twist. So, like, the, the guy is, like, batshit crazy. And he wants to basically be Japanese Batman in real life, and then he gets killed. And then he's like, I'm going to do that now, but in a fantasy world. But, like, it's like the world kind of conspires to make him correct in everything he does. <laughs> the author's pet. And the whole time, he's he's just trying to be, like, the, the like his real-life persona, like, his normal, like thing is he's trying to like not stand out he's trying to be the most normal average unassuming uninspiring character he can be so like when he becomes the eminence in shadow he's like the super badass isekai protagonist so he flip-flops between doing that but everything just sort of works out in his favor and it's it's sort of like a light-hearted jab at isekai in general but also still just being a straight-up isekai because it does have like the flashy battles and like the over the top bullshit, but then it'll do like goofy jokes about it. Also, boobs. Sounds like it has everything I look for in a Japanese cartoon. Yeah, it's a fun watch. So it looks like there's two seasons in a movie. Yeah, this has been on my planning to watch list, but just got so much on my plate, you know. 
Oh, I get you. If anyone listening to this desperately wants me to watch this or something else, just pester me on shit poster. Yeah. Usually the best way to do it. Just do what dad did to me and pester me for a year to read Berserk until I finally fucking read it. <laughs> and it was worth it. <laughs> God, the art is really fucking amazing on Berserk, but we've sucked off Berserk for enough in this podcast. <laughs> no, we haven't. We could do multiple <laughs> more episodes on it. So tell us about the video you've been playing. So the new hot shit on the block is Pal World. Everyone and their fucking mom has been talking about this goddamn game for better or for worse. So uh, I remember when like the commercial for it or like the announcement trailer or whatever came out like, fuck, I don't know, like a year and a half, two years ago, whenever. And people were initially like memeing on the premise of it. It's like, oh, it's like Pokemon, but with guns or whatever. But like as it sort of developed and people learned more about the game, it, it it showed that it's more of like the survival crafting type of game, like uh uh what's that game called? Ark Survival, the one with like dinosaurs and shit. It's kinda like that gameplay wise, but it has uh Pokemon type creatures that you catch called pals and you battle other monsters and it's not turn based like Pokemon, it's it's just an open world survival game. Um it's just crafting, gathering resources, battling monsters, and it plays a lot like Breath of the Wild, too. There's, like, climbing mechanics, and then there's, like, the temperature thing. You have to keep yourself from freezing to death and shit. And this already has 60,000 reviews on Steam. It was instantly a gigantic yeah, hit. Every Twitch streamer, every VTuber, every motherfucker on the block is playing this game, and... It's pretty fun. I've been playing it for a couple days now, and I'm enjoying the core gameplay of it. Um, then there was this massive controversy about it because a bunch of people, mostly on Twitter, and you know those niggas, they got no life. So they were constantly whining about how this game is plagiarism, but it's like kind of a stretch to say that. Like, some of the monsters, okay, you could kind of see, like, all right, this is obviously inspired by this specific Pokemon. But a lot of it's, like, they'll say, oh, this is plagiarism, and then it's just, like, a hedgehog. And it's like, nigga, that's just what a hedgehog looks like. Like, there's only so many ways you can redesign a, a pre-existing creature. Yeah, I, I noticed some people uh, make comparisons to various Dragon Quest creatures, or uh, they compared it to the... Yeah. The Keiko Demon from Doom, which is blatantly ripped off a creature from D&D. Oh, yeah. They don't call that shit plagiarism. It's it's mostly like a lot of terminally online Nintendorks. Yeah, but how does the game itself play? Is it really like Pokemon with guns or uh, is it's it more like... It's not turn-based. It... it... I haven't played Ark Survival, but I know that's what most people compare it to. Um, it's It very much is just a survival crafting game. You gather resources, you build a base, you capture the pals, and then you use them as slave labor. I'm not joking, that's literally the premise. Uh, you can also capture human slaves. They don't really tell you that part initially, but you can just do that. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's a source of a lot of the controversy. 
surprisingly, it was mostly about the fucking quote-unquote plagiarism, not so much that the game is literally a slavery simulator. Yeah, I've heard you can enslave humans and uh, uh, pals and force them to work in a factory to create more guns for you to sell. Pretty much. So you can become Uh, this international arms dealer. Yeah, I haven't gotten to the industrialized slavery part yet, but I've uh, I crafted my little base and I have them running around doing shit. They seem happy enough to do it. I don't know if it's like a side effect of them getting captured in the device or if they're just happy to finally have shelter. Kind of fucked up if you think about it, but yeah, you could, you could say that <laughs> about Pokemon right from, from the start. People were making comparisons to cockfighting and uh, other yeah. like uh, animal abuse scenarios. Oh, yeah. Uh, I haven't checked, but I'm sure Peter's going to have a field day with this fucking thing like they do with every new Pokemon entry or any sort of animal-based video game. Uh, I, I remember when Super Meat Boy came out and uh, Peta released a, a mini-game making fun of it. Uh, but then the creator of Meat Boy yeah. responded by creating a tofu character in Meat Boy who was weak and path- couldn't complete most levels. Fun stuff. What what I'm saying is PETA sucks and nobody takes them seriously. No, God, no. But it's always funny to hear about whatever dumb thing they're going to talk about or whatever dumb stunt they pull. Yeah, I remember they once uh, uh, pestered the band Judas Priest, who were famous for... uh, wearing leather, and they have songs about leather, because they are massive homos. But, uh, uh, they, uh, they won't send a letter to the band saying, you should stop using leather. You should use fake leather instead. And the band responded, we do use fake leather. It's better. And then then Peter said, uh, you should stop using fake leather, because it might inspire people to... That's retarded. Yeah. Sounds about right for them. That's what happened. God. Yeah, I think this whole like thing just reminded me of like how there's so much like non-troversy online. Uh, people just find new th- in creative ways to bitch and moan about shit that doesn't really matter. Because a lot of people just love getting offended and complaining about it online. I've done it too. Yeah, like, I'll complain about this or that if it's, like, really irritating, but it's it's one of those things where people, they'll, they'll act like they're genuinely upset that, like, it's killing them inside that this is happening. It's like, eh, that's a little fucking gay. It's just being pretend mad. Because these people move on to the next big thing. It's not even, it's like one thing if it's something you're personally passionate about. Like, you know, if you're really into like a specific series or genre of something and they fuck it up real bad and then you're mad. Like, I, that's a little more understandable than just like, uh, I'm bored and I need to find something to bitch about online. What's the new hot topic? Oh, this video game? Yeah, I'm going to bitch about that even though I don't play these type of games. Yeah, social media and its consequences have been a disaster for the human race. 
Yeah, look, social media exists so you can share racist memes. If you do anything else, you're lame. No, it's also for sharing autistic anime elf girl memes. Yeah, racist elf memes. <laughs> Fear and so freaking good. We'll talk about <laughs> it know, more dude. when Mew comes back on. Yeah. So I have not played Pal World. I've just seen the, the controversy. Uh, very little about the gameplay itself, but which tells you everything you really need to know. Yeah, it doesn't interest me very much, but I'll I'll keep an eye on what people have to say about it because this is such a gigantic success. This is like I've never seen anything instantly become this hyper popular overnight. Like I wonder if there was some glowy money involved. Uh, I don't know. I think a large part of why it's so popular is because it looks a lot better than a lot of the survival games. Usually they don't focus much on any sort of aesthetic or graphics, so they kind of just look poopy. Yeah, plus recent Pokemon games this, haven't looked very this, good either. This is obviously inspired by, like, Breath of the Wild and um, the newer Pokemon games. And like, if you could say anything about Breath of the Wild, it's that it looks really nice. It's very, it has a very uh, specific art style, though it's not like a one-to-one -one copy. It's just like it very obviously took inspiration from this. Yeah, just like Genshin Impact did. Yeah, that's another good comparison. Honestly, it probably looks closer to Genshin than Breath of the Wild. Yeah, was it it's made in, in China or in Japan? Because I think it might be Chinese. I'm not entirely sure. But that could also be a part. Another reason why it did gangbuster sales is because China. If it is selling in yeah. China, because that's a huge market that not a lot of companies get access yeah. to. I guess whether or not China Gov is promoting it, like if something gets popular in that country, there's going to be a billion plus people who like it. Oh yeah, I mean they're three times size of the U.S. just in population. That alone is just gonna like jump up your sales dramatically. That's why every fucking uh, uh, company just can't wait to suck uh, the CCP's dick. Well, we would There's never so say much fucking money. It's... <laughs> we would never say anything bad about glorious leader Xi Jinping on this podcast. May he reign forever. Of course not. Exactly. But yeah, that's why like so many, if you've noticed, like a lot of modern movies are really like boring because the plots have to be simple so they can be translated into a thousand different languages. Because there's a lot lost in the nuance. That and Hollywood's writers just plain suck now. now that too. It's a little bit of both. Uh, speaking of American things that suck, have, have you heard they added... Some bullshit DRM anti-cheat to Street Fighter Six. Oh yeah, I didn't catch the full thing on that, but yeah, I know uh, Capcom has um, really been stepping in some shit lately. Yeah, which sucks because they make some of my favorite game series: Street Fighter, Mega Man, Phoenix Wright, Devil May Cry. Uh, they've also done some stupid shit lately. Not gonna lie. So this new DM is supposed to block mods and cheats, probably because that one guy got caught with his nude Chun-Li mod going into a major tournament. 
God, it really just takes one nigga, huh? <laughs> one thirsty ass boy. So I, I still think Street Fighter Six is decent gameplay wise. I can recommend it in that regard, but uh, yeah, this this new anti cheat shit is it. It's reducing the frames per second by ten to fifteen for most players. It's just unforgivable. God, yeah, that's plus fucking it, ridiculous. Plus, it has a deliberately ugly art style for most of the characters, and it's always pestering you for daily rewards and to buy DLC shit. Makes it an unpleasant experience. Plus, they never yeah. gave Z they never gave Zangief his green hand back. Took that away and replaced it with the worst move in the game. This counterattack that only works for horizontal kicks. I I main Zangief, that's why I'm complaining about him. But I'd never, ever use this move. It's so shitty. Yeah, I fucking remember when I played Street Fighter 2 with you, and you fucking wiped the fucking floor with me when you played Zangief. Yeah, and he's bottom tier in that game. It's But he, he's just my... Yeah. I love grapplers, that's what I'm saying. So, Street Fighter 6, good things about it, but yeah, Capcom's really dropping the ball here. They need to get their shit together, stop listening to people on Twitter, start caring about the games again. Yeah. Like, it, it's good to be passionate about these sorts of things, but it's even better to gatekeep. You really need to gatekeep your communities. Yeah, I, I like my private gated community for hyper swergs, and I want to keep normies out forever. Normies get out, re. Yes, this but unironically. Oh, yeah. Well, like that fucking meme that goes around gatekeep your community or it'll get AIDS. Like, it's so true. Yeah. Yeah, whether it's video games, anime, VTubing, whatever the fuck you're into, you do have to autistically screech at people who are being annoying. Oh, I've been playing some other games, too. What you been playing? So there's a Zelda 2 fan game that's appeared on itch.io. This kind of advertises itself as just a, a port with a bigger resolution than the NES, but it's more than that. This is all new levels. It's got uh, new palaces, new monsters, new items, new spells, uh, new town layouts. So it, it feels like playing Zelda 2 for the first time. It's great. So it's like a fan remaster of the first, of the actual original Zelda 2? Um, it's... I think... I think it like started as a remaster, but uh, the creator also wanted to incorporate their new levels into it. So once you play it, it it'll drop you into a completely new overworld. You'll have to figure out what's going on, uh, no matter how many times you've beaten Zelda two before. But since that's one of my favorite Zeldas, so I'm really enjoying this. Really, that's usually people's least favorite. I freaking I love it. I played it, so I can't. I played the original NES one, but I never played the second one. Uh, it's harder. It has a greater emphasis on combat than exploration, but it, it still has lots of exploration. 
Uh, it's also famously very freaking hard. And every time you run out of lives, yeah, it, g it gives you three lives, as was common in the 80s. When you run out, it uh, you can keep all the items you got, but it lowers your experience to like the minimum required for the level you were currently at, and it drops you at the beginning of the world map. So if you, if you die in the middle of a palace fighting a boss or something, you have to go back to the start and make your way there. Oh, that's kind of frustrating. Yeah, Is that it, why people don't like it? It's part of it. But some people just don't like the side-scrolling view. Almost all Zeldas are top-down, or later they turn into 3D games. Yeah, that's about the only thing I know about Zelda 2, is that it flips to like a side-scrolling thing, which I, it, it is an odd uh, direction to take it. Well, if, if you remember, Mario 2 and Castlevania 2 also took uh, drastic new changes. Yeah, but Castlevania was always a side-scroller. Well, I'm I'm saying too. Simon's Quest was became an early Metroidvania, so that was a major departure from the first game, which was uh, straightforward: go through the levels and kill monsters. Right. Anyway, this game is fun. Uh, it has some more quality of life features, like uh, maps inside the palaces. Before you just had to memorize where to go. This gives you a mini map, which is quite nice. And when you run out of lives, it, it starts you at the entrance to the palace you were at. Uh, it, it, it does feel like a remix of Zelda 2 in some ways, but it also does some interesting things. Like in the first palace, there are some completely dark areas where, where you can barely see where you're going. You can see the faint outlines of monsters moving around, and you have to slowly, carefully... Uh, walk around and fight them until you can get the candle. How long until Nintendo sends a cease and desist? Don't know, but you should get it now. Uh, another game. It's this dungeon crawler called Undernaught's Labyrinth of Yomi. Undernaught's? Undernaught's, it's called. Like an astronaut, but underground. Yeah. So in, in a, a, lo a lot of ways, it feels like a Shin Megami Tensei game. It's a dungeon crawler that takes place in modern Japan, and you play as modern Japanese people who go into this dungeon to kill monsters and get loot. Uh, in this case, there are these energy crystals that the government uses as an energy source, and it's your job to find them, but a lot of undernauts get killed along the way. So only people desperate for money sign up for this job. Okay. And gameplay-wise, it, it feels more like a wizardry, where, where you have a party of four characters, and you create them at the start. They, they have no personalities. They're just collections of stats and abilities. But you can craft your party to the way you prefer. Uh, yeah, six characters, not four. Are these like, are they just? Do these characters actually have character, or are they just like fill-ins for whatever task you need them to do? Like, be a rogue, be a mage, whatever. Yeah, they're just fill-ins for whatever task. Like, okay. there there are some parts where 
you talk to people like you have a su supervisor who uh, really hates his job and just wants to eat different types of ramen but at one point you get cut off from tokyo and you're stuck in the dungeon and you have to figure a way out while going through the dungeon but unlike most dungeon crawlers this is not ultra hard it's surprisingly reasonable so i have not yet come across a, an enemy with instant death attacks or uh, instant death traps in the dungeon which has an auto map by the way and if you do get a full party wipe it, it just sends you back to base like you don't lose anything it's no pretty that's weird. not usually how those old school dungeon crawlers were yeah they're usually those are pretty punishing yeah those are designed to be incredibly brutal like the the early wizardry games would automatically save on the disc every time one of your characters died just to make sure you couldn't like pull the disc out and try to salvage your yeah, character no, no cheating you have to suffer now now th this one's a, is part of the core experience yeah this one's a lot more user friendly uh, it feels i guess it feels kind of like the etrian uh, odyssey games because uh, as your characters gain levels you can put points into different skills and develop them the way you like so if you're looking for a Japanese dungeon crawler that's not ultra difficult, this is an excellent place to start. I'm enjoying this. Yeah, it looks neat. Uh, that's about all I got for today. I consume a lot of media. I read, I watch, I play Vidya. But since we're not talking about the new season, this is just miscellaneous shit. Yeah, uh... That was pretty much what I spent most of my last couple of weeks doing was catching up on the newest shit. Um, so I didn't really <laughs> prepare anything for... This is just an off-the-cuff thing. Yeah, I've been watching plenty of new stuff as well. But we'll get into that later. Yeah, whenever Mew recovers from his cringe aids. <laughs> uh, anything else happening in your life? That you want to talk about in public i mean no not really i'm not asking for filthy details about your private life about my sexcapades all the yeah. mad pussy i'm slaying yeah i worded that strangely my bad <laughs> yeah you can't did buddy uh. and if there's nothing else let's wrap this up all right so come to the Fediverse. Shitposter.club is the best website in the world. Dear Leader Moon is one cool dude. All right. Good night. Good night.